What's up, guys? It's been uh we had a two week hiatus because dun 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 somebody <laughs> had the COVID, and I want one and you already know I had the COVID, but one of y'all had it and you shunned me when I had it. So which one wants to stand up and admit they had the COVID? Shar. I had to call you from um from ground zero quarantine in my um in, in my actual room now. Um I'm part of I'm part of team COVID now. I mean <laughs> I feel free, you know, it was a little scary at first, but now I feel relieved. It was you know, I woke up one Friday morning. No, it was Thursday morning, and I was starting to get a little tick on my throat. I'm like, nah, this is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. So then the day went on a little further, and I was like, man, I got this COVID. I know I got it. Now. Like, I know I got it. Woke up Friday morning, the sore. I'm like, crap, I got COVID. So my friend had a um, an at-home test, took it, just like waiting for a pregnancy test. It was pink. Damn. It was pink. <laughs> so, Damn, homie. So I've been home. Well, I was at my friend's house. My wife made me come home. So I've been quarantined in the house since then, and and Hob, I want you to know that his wife called me with him on three-way to tell me he had it, and I laughed in his face because he shunned me. He yeah, shunned me when I had it. The energy, the energy was definitely reciprocated. You know, I can't yeah. even... Man, it was just... Now, it now was you just, through the screen, I'm going to have to go put my mask on. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, had a, I was laughing. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, I mean, vaccines work. You know, people... Back, just, aren't you? you know, uh, vaccines yeah, does work. Boosters work, you know what I'm saying? Like you one of the examples the Republicans gonna use to go against the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. I mean Char was double vaccinated, he still got it. <laughs> <laughs> if you gotta explain that, man, I ain't got time. You're still in elementary school. Like, okay. okay, I was I was out one day, next day I was out, I was cool. So I didn't have to take one thing. I'm still negative, so I went and got tested Friday and it's still showing me negative in these, I mean positive in these streets. So yeah. Yeah. And for people who don't have COVID, I told people if you are positive with COVID, do not take the rapid test. It's a waste of time. You're always going to show positive for like months in the rapid test. You have to do that one that they take to the lab to get the negative test. So do not get the rapid test. I did the same thing, waited for hours for the rapid test and came back positive, even though I was past my quarantine date. But Hobson, the, the point is, if you make fun of Daryl, <laughs> the things will come. So now Cole is going to be looking at you. I hope Look you man. You you I think the point is that I am genetically uh, immune to COVID. <laughs> You're immune? I am, I am the evolution of man. Yeah. Don't put that out there and then tomorrow you be coughing. Because I'm going to be like, okay. I don't cough. I don't cough. I don't do that. So... So if we're out for another two weeks, it's because I've, <laughs> I've shut it down. evolution. So how how was your two weeks being COVID free? Um, it was cool, man. It was cool. Um, there's been eventful two weeks in the news. I've been uh, you know, planning some things in my personal life in terms of like professional development and stuff like that. Um, but you know, cool. We can't complain. I'm you know. Happy, relatively, you know. I guess on the, the meter of the meter of happiness from like depressed to elated, 
Okay, you know, like six and a half, you know. Okay, six that's and a half. good. That's a good. Six and a half. Yeah, you could have five. So that's like, good. You know, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> jumping for joy or nothing, but you know, it's cool. We live. But just bring it back to the COVID conversation. You know, it kind of gets on your nerve when you like in your room quarantine and you like look on Facebook page and people kickboxing and shadow boxing and all. No mask, we just healthy, man. We just healthy. <laughs> like, we knock like, the COVID really? off each That's time. what we do it. Like sweat is going everywhere, like it, there's no transmission whatsoever. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get these rules. We our bodies are built to fight. We fight COVID. You know, it's just everything fights in us. It's ridiculous. So I invited you over to my house when I had COVID and you didn't come. Yeah, no, that's because you gotta be smart, you know. We're not looking for <laughs> You don't put it in anybody just to see. Like, well, that's just what happened. Like, talk, talk in my face. Okay. Daryl said, just, just inject him with everything. Just to, just to <laughs> so my week, uh, my week, um, we closed on the house. And, sure. like, the, the problem with closing on the house is social media ruined it. Ruined the moment. Because... Every time somebody closes on house, what do you see? You see the picture of them at the signing table. You see them holding the big key that says sold or like I thought it was a month. So my wife was like, yeah, we're going to dress up. And I was like, dress up. She was like, yeah, we're going to dress up. We're going to have nice clothes on. I'm thinking this is a moment. Like I'm like, you sign the paper, confetti just comes out the sky. You know what I'm saying? Girls in like skimpy bikinis come out with signs. <laughs> like I thought it was going to be a moment. It wow. literally was like when I went to Mexico, my first time out the country, when they stamped my passport, I'm excited, right? I'm excited that they're stamping my passport. Not realizing the guy stamping my passport, I'm the millionth person that came in today <laughs> stamping the passport. And he just stamp it. All right, y'all go. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> And that's, that's really how it was, man. It was no congratulations. It was no champ. Like my wife was like, "Do you think they'll have champagne there?" And I was like, "I've never been to a closing. I have no idea." It was Dude, nothing like that. It was <laughs> the coldest. It was one of the most emotional coldest moments. Like, yes. like nobody, nobody, nobody cares. You're probably like the twentieth closing that day. Like. <laughs> Dude, you're not special. Like, like, even, like, I swear, <laughs> when you're having a new construction built, these new constructions to me are like apartments almost. It's a very apartment feel. So when I when we paid the closing costs, I had to pick up my keys at the clubhouse where they're selling other houses. It was me and this other guy in there. I knock on the door and I say, hey, I'm here to pick up my keys because the money had cleared. He just hands me keys, congratulations, and walks off. And I'm like, where is the champagne at? Like, where is the big key at? Where, where does the, where does the, they give you the sign that says private residence? Like, where is all this stuff at? Where's Bruce Buffer? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like social media has fucked it up, <laughs> fucked up my view. Mm-hmm. So that's how uh, I almost felt like Will Smith in the last day on Fresh Prince, where he's just walking the house, and he's just, just looking around. <laughs> like, that's how I felt in the house. Let me tell you how brand new he is. Brand new homeowner he is. <laughs> so he like called me up like, hey, yo, I'm about to go to the house. Like, I want you to come see it. Like, okay, cool. You know, I'll take, I, I got COVID. We, you got COVID. I'll come over. So like, you know, so I get his address. I'm driving, oh, I'm driving past it. I'm looking for his car. And I'm like, dang, I don't see the car. Like, I'm about to drive at the house or whatever. 
So then I called Daryl. I'm like, hey, where's your car at? He's like, yeah, I just put it in the garage. I'm like, you put stuff in the garage already? Like, he's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you might park both him and his wife's car in the garage and then closes the garage. Like, I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> I'm not living my life as apartment dweller anymore. I have a garage and I'm using it. Like, I'm like, right. look how that brand is, new that this is. That is Daryl's garage. How, yeah, how you know what I'm saying? I I never had a garage before. But, but okay, but Hopper, think about when you go by somebody's house and like it's broad daylight, and you like so you either like have your car in the garage, but the garage is probably open. You know what I'm saying? Nah, or you just have your car. You gotta have the garage. You gotta have the garage door closed because then then you can't keep the door inside the garage unlocked so that you but don't. Got what, okay, but but what about just having a car parked in front of the house? Like it it, it like we like Daryl ain't moving in. Daryl like is like just dropping some. I mean that's the off. that's the only peculiar thing about the situation is yeah. that he hasn't moved in yet. I mean, yeah. no, <laughs> if you if you about to leave and go somewhere else, that's you what I'm saying. Like, he, curb, you know? he was about to go to Home Depot. Like he was like just dropping some toys. Oh, you were just peeking your head in. You huh? were just like you were just peeking your head in. I was dropping some like, stuff off. I was dropping some stuff off. He pulled not two cars in the garage. He pulled two cars in the garage. I'm like, what? And then close the garage down. I'm like, dude, like, are you in for the night? You like, you what's going sure on? You want to make sure it open and close well. You know, he's okay, telling you never had a garage. This is your first time. Like, and then I was like, man, this is convenient. I was carrying TVs in there. I was like, this is convenient. I could close it. I ain't got to worry about, you know, in apartments, when you have like expensive stuff, it's like sometimes you, you bring it in at a certain time of day that in a oh, lot God. of traffic or, when people are outside, you're like, man, I'm I'm probably gonna wait till they go in to do it. <laughs> I could just put it in the garage and just just do this. Like I don't have that worry. You had no signs of I'm here. I would have I would have I just would have <laughs> drove past as if he is not there yet. That's the vibe I would get. The so, sign yeah. was I told you I was at the house. And then like when I go outside to greet him, he's down the street. Cause I passed like, the he house literally already. passed me. And I'm like, dude, like, he was like, the GPS said I was here. I was like, yeah, you don't stop at the address that it gives you? I was looking for the car. <laughs> and he was the looking sign for signs of, of life. Of someone, of life. That was no sign of life. I'm glad you said the right word, Hopson. There was no sign of life <laughs> was at the home. And that was my problem. <laughs> we'll follow, follow the numbers. A brandly new built home. Hop, I'm not I'm not parking on the street like I still live in an apartment. I'm not doing that anymore. You ain't had to close garage, though. You about to leave. <laughs> he about to leave. That's what I like to do. <laughs> he about to leave. And, hey, as soon as we leave this podcast, I'm going back there. And I'm going to close the garage. So <laughs> we got to get into the topic at hand, though. Um, As many things are going on for us this month, also this month is Black History Month. And I cringe. It's two times a year I'm very cringy. Black History Month and Halloween. Why? Because I know somebody's going to do something racist on this on those days. And you kind of just sit in there just waiting for this thing to happen. I mean, we had, uh, I think it was a, a white sorority making fun of Black traditions that got suspended. 
We have a school who was serving <laughs> fried chicken for Black History Month. Like you just know, for some reason, something racist is gonna happen at, at this or something weird. Wasn't it the uh, the Democrat uh, pandering? Party? Yeah. Yeah, or pandering, yes. Because I was about to say, wasn't it the Democratic with Nancy Pelosi that, knee, that did the knees and the, the... Like, you know something weird and cringy is going to happen in Black History Month. Have you seen well, the Baptist Body Works display where they have, like, the Kente Claw stuff going across? No, nah, I didn't um, see that. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a little cringy, too. Are you... See, and that's what I'm saying, like... <laughs> I just know something cringy is going to happen and those. and But at the very beginning of Black History Month, I always think sports imitates life. And the NFL had a huge, huge, huge bombshell happen where Brian Flores for the Miami Dolphins got fired after two years of winning seasons. Actually, he was on an eight-game winning streak, got fired, and was told that he um, couldn't get along with people. And that already is a trigger for me because, to me, that's a dog whistle always. But – he was about to be interviewed for the New York Giants job. Before he even interviews, he gets a text message from Bill Belichick saying, congratulations, I heard you got it. You want it, it's yours. I don't know why Bill Belichick's the one talking like that, but he was. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it's yours. And he's like, Brian Flores like, really? Are you, because I really want it. Are you, you serious? He was like, yeah, yeah, I heard it's yours. Then he's like, Coach, are you talking to me? Are you, because this is Brian Flores, are you talking about uh, Brian Duvall? And he's like, I fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up. I was, I was text messaging the wrong person. Note, and, and, and Bill Belichick seems like an old white person with technology because they yeah. both had, they both say Brian. <laughs> like he doesn't have anything. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't say Brian. He's the white Brian and black Brian. After. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, he doesn't have anything to separate the two. So my question to you guys, this is a trigger for me. I know it's a trigger for Shar, but what was you guys, do you guys always believe there was like a discrepancy? Like, let's just start with the NFL for right now. There's only one um, black coach in the NFL, even though 70% of the players are black. Did you guys always feel like there was something not right there? Go ahead. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty, pretty clear. Um, yeah, the same thing with quarterbacks um, back in the day where they didn't like black quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only like black people at running positions and strong positions, you know, like the fast folks. Um, but yeah, no, they, they, they um, I don't know any statistics or anything, but I know throughout my life, I've seen like Lovey Smith, uh, Tony Dungy. Jim Cowell. Jim, Jim Cowell. And then uh, the. Um, Herman Edwards. No, oh boy, on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Yeah, Mike um, and, Tomlin. And they t- Mike, Mike Tomlin, who's like the most winningest. Well, he got the, like the best record or something mm-hmm. um, in Pittsburgh coach history. And they talk about firing that man every single year. And it, well, he don't win a Super Bowl. They talk about letting him go. Um, so, but yeah, no, nah, there, there, there's a <laughs> clear shortage of uh, representation in terms of black coaches. Um, unless you're, unless the NFL is insinuating that there just aren't any black coaches who are capable of coaching at you know the NFL level which then I would say is more racist because I think that's not true I think we've had black coaches who showed that that's not true um all of the ones that I named have Super Bowl titles I believe um Tony Lovey Smith um no Lovey Smith lost to Tony Dungy okay okay but, um yeah so he I lost. mean for general yes Go yeah ahead. 
but um, I'm just saying, like they all they all have they all have the um, the, the the history in their coaching pedigree, um, the experience um, and the resume to say that there's no reason to believe that black coaches can't. And also you made a great point and I want to make sure I say this. It's, it's when you, when we're talking about black people in position with cerebral thinking involved, now they're saying you're too dumb. So when you're saying back in the day, they didn't like us at quarterback. Well, also if you go even further, they didn't want us at middle linebacker and they didn't want us at center. They didn't want us at any position where you had to actually think. So, so even when you go into like gyms and coaches, like our Atlanta Falcons, right? Um, Terry Fontenot was the first African-American GM. We have never had a black coach. We had an interim coach mm-hmm. with Raheem Morris last year, but we never had a black coach. Go ahead, Char. Oh, I mean, y'all said it all. I mean, it's not just in the NFL. It's in the corporate world. It's really in every every situation where it requires a black man to be in a situation where they are a leader or they have to think or they're actually trying to orchestrate something. Um, we, so for some reason, it's just a struggle for us to get to that next level. You know, I can think of even myself right now, you know, um, I, 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 this last year, I just recently became a quality manager in my, in my own career. I know my white counterparts have probably been in that position probably three or four years before I got there. And it's no difference in our resume, no difference in, you know, what I do and what they do, but it's because of whatever reason they got there before I did, you know, and, you know, you try to be, um, you know, unbiased or try to be optimistic in terms of why it happens, but it's just so many examples, like the ones we're talking about now, that you show that happens. And, the question is, do anybody have an answer for that? You know what I'm saying? Why is that the case? And you, you only, it gets to the point where only race or you being black is the only reason you could think that that's why it's happening. So, I don't know. Yeah, and if we even go, and I want to talk about corporate America. That's what we're, we're actually headed into. But if we even look at it, let's look at Sean McVay. He was a hot shot offensive coordinator coach. Um, He's our, he's my age. You know what I'm saying? He's right now, he's 36. And Eric Bieniemy is the hot shot offensive coordinator. He's leading in the hot shot uh, Kansas City Chiefs. He's 52 years old. Mm-hmm. Never had a coach. He's been a hot shot candidate for two years in a row and, and doesn't have a job. Brian mm-hmm. Leftwich, hot shot yeah. offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Tampa Buccaneers, Bay. doesn't have a job. And he it's just the Jacksonville Jaguars job. He didn't get the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. job. What did he get in New Orleans also? They were talking about in New Orleans as well. And I think he's I, I think he's interviewing for New Orleans because they haven't at this time they haven't had their head coach yet. Yeah. But but that's what we're saying. Like it seems to be more difficult. They were talking about Josh McNown as the head coach of the Houston Texans when his highest degree of coaching is a quarterback's coach in high school. Hmm. And they're talking about him being the Houston Texans lead runner for the head coach. And the only reason I believe they haven't announced him is because they don't want the publicity backlash by doing it. Now, after all this, the Browns quarterback. Huh? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Josh McCown, the Browns quarterback. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. What about his career uh, athletically or coaching wise? leads anybody to believe that he has any idea about how to win football games. <laughs> like, but Brian Leftwich I don't understand. Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. Bowl. Brian also, last you year. know, 
No, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. no. And the reason why they're getting the opportunity is because they're not, you know, the Byron Leftwiches of the world. They're not in the room where the conversations are being had, where the bonds are being, you know, made, or the, or the you know, the, where the good old boys are getting together and having those conversations and trying to give these guys a chance. That's, that's really what it is, you know. We can't get in the door to even get to the point where we're actually considered to be candidates, you know. So, yeah. so let's talk about corporate America then. Since you alluded to it, let's talk about it. Um, this really hits home for us because we're all in corporate America and we all have seen this. I'm going to tell you a little story about my company. There was one time that they were showing a hierarchy of the people who've been promoted. And it was all the directors and all the VPs in this. And it was nothing but white people. <laughs> and I sat there and I was just, and this was like a couple of years ago. I sat there and I was like, it's no way they look at this and doesn't see this as a problem. So then I called one of my friends up, who's also a minority, talking to her. And I was just like, dude, I, I can't fathom my head around. They think this is OK. And the one thing she said is, <clears throat> you're looking at it wrong to them. Because she's saying you are right. But to them, they are doing minorities. And I said, what? There was nothing but white people here. What do you mean? Well, they have a, a woman. To them, that's a, a white woman is a minority. Yeah. Oh, this person is uh, LGBTQ. Even though that's a white person, that is their minority. So they're viewing it as, oh, we are doing minorities because we all know affirmative action has helped white women more than any other group. So I want to talk about you guys' examples in, so, in um, the corporate world of where you guys seen it. And I want to start with you, Shar, because I thought when you sent me the resume was egregious <laughs> to me. And you got to hear this, Hob. I'm just uh, trying to see if I can code this because I don't want to specifically call out the job. But there, <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, in one situation, when I started the job, my predecessor was still there. So for whatever reason, she was still there. And I kind of showed up. You know, she was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. If you know you need any, any help, you know I'm here. So she friended me on LinkedIn. And oh, they friended me on LinkedIn, and I looked at their resume, and there was no nothing on their resume that led me to believe that they should have been in the role. They had like positions like I, I used to work in makeup, I used to, like nothing related to quality, just all like <clears throat> stuff that was just they wouldn't be qualified to be somebody's secretary in terms of the experience that, <laughs> that they had on. Uh, <laughs> So, and the only reason why they got the role is because they may have known somebody who knew somebody that felt like they had potential to do the job. And that was the frustrating part. In all these roles, even though uh, our counterparts may not have the pedigree to do the role, if they, they get hired off of potential. They get hired off of the chance of that they may do a good job. Whereas with me, I have to have all my I's dotted, all my T's crossed. And it's more so looking for a reason why not to hire me, more so than to try to figure out, okay, he's good for the job. Mm -hmm. It's always like, well, he he have all this, but he's missing this. And hence looking for a reason not to hire us. And it happens too much with all of us, with black women, black men, that it's kind of frustrating being a black man in the corporate world, especially when you have family. Or people tell you, all you got to do is work hard. All you got to do is do this and do that, and it's going to work out. No, it doesn't work out. That's not 
sometimes that's not the case. And sometimes I'm not the reason why I'm not getting hired. And that's the, that's the frustrating part. Where it's, also, know, it's also yeah. demeaning to make you think that you're not working hard. Yeah. Like they just assume you're not working uh-huh. hard enough when when that is furthest from the truth. But what about you, Hob? Have you had any experiences in your what short time in corporate? How long have you been in corporate? Yeah, so I haven't. Um, I most of my work has actually been in the nonprofit sector. Um, so I've worked on a couple campaigns and um, done some volunteer work for some nonprofits. Um, and nonprofit spaces, uh, fortunately, because of the times we're in. Um, they're very conscious about diversity and um, mm-hmm. like um, equity and all that. Um, the one time that I, w- I worked for a law firm for like a year and six months. Um, and when I got hired there, um, it was cool. Like they were cool, but there was a lot of passive aggressiveness and like microaggressions, um, which I like despised. Um, and after a year of working there, um, it was like, really really frustrating to go into work every day just because like uh, I remember one time one of our lawyers came up and this was I'd been working there for like four days or something like that and so he just came up and was like telling me he was just like telling me about like movies and stuff that he liked and he was like you know I I really hate political movies um but I really liked Black Panther Wakanda forever (laughs) and I was like why <laughs> like why you know like I, I didn't you know i didn't come up to you starting conversation they hit to the wakanda forever yes he did the x and then the, no, the, he didn't. the, the <laughs> yes he did all of it bro and i was just like i was like this is not okay you know like i was just like that's not cool and then uh my one my, my, my friend kermit um who y'all met he started working at the firm i actually recommended him for the job and he got the job and Kermit came into work one day. And if y'all seen Kermit, Kermit just got like real squinty eyes. Like he just got squinty eyes. Um, but he was like sitting at work and, you know, getting ready for the day. And our boss comes up to him and is like, hey, Kermit, you look like you just uh, smoked. A, I don't know if he said like a doobie or a J or something like that. And Kermit was like, Haha, no. And then Adam was like, yeah, no, nah, I mean, we really don't care. So, you know, it's like we're, we're cool about it. And <laughs> Kermit was like, oh, OK. And he was like, but yeah, just don't do it at work. You know, uh, we don't care what you do outside of work. Just don't do it. You know, don't come into work high. And Kermit was like, Adam, I don't smoke. You know, like, you know, <laughs> I don't smoke. What are you talking about? Like and it was just like it was peculiar. It's just like bro, dealing with that is, you know, when you have another black person in the office, I will say it, it, it bonds you and the other black person because y'all get to laugh about that shit. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the only reason when it's just you by yourself, it's hella uncomfortable. It's it's really, really frustrating. But when you have another black person to like endure it with you, it's still frustrating in the moment. But like you and that black person have some really great laughs making fun of them because that's- that shit's wild. That's the first thing you do when you get you, you try to find the black people that you can kind of like huddle with and have those conversations with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but but you made you made me think of something with another black guy at my job at a previous job. He's had four managers um, over the past like year, and in each situation, he had to train uh, or get the manager up to speed. And then one day he said to me, "I said, you know what?" It never, you know, not once did they come to me and actually consider me for the possibility of being able to kind of do the job. Like they've hired four outside people. Each time I had to train them. 
but not once did they ever think to say, well, maybe I can do the job. Yeah. And it's stuff like that that's like it's crazy because in the in the in the law firm, um, like I realize that there, some white people in corporate America, like they have low expectations for what black people expect of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I was talking to, like, I was, I told my boss Adam, I was like, "Yo, I should stop like just using people's names like that." But I told my boss Joe, <laughs> yeah, I'm just putting it out there, bro. Adam. <laughs> I know you're not. Uh, 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 too late so, now, Adam. Uh, <laughs> I will believe it. Yeah, no. Nah, I, I was at this different job, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, I was looking to transition from said job. And I told I told my boss, I was very candid. I was like, you know, the pay here, you know, I was making like 38 or something. But, you know, just like you said, Daryl, like, you know, 30, 34 when I was there, when I started, I wasn't making no money. So 34 sounded really, really cool. And then I started making it and I was like, you know, with bills and stuff, this really is zero dollars, you know, right. like this is nothing. <laughs> um, and so I told him, I was like, you know, I need to, you know, I'm looking for some more money. And he was just like, okay, well, I understand that. Um, and, but this is the most that we can do right now. Things are really tight or whatever. And so I got a new job, told him that I gave my two weeks or whatever. And he was like, yeah, I'm really sorry that you couldn't, um, you know, stay here longer and get some of the benefits of like working here for a long time. Ryan, who's been here for like, I had known Ryan. Ryan had been there for 15 years, right? And he was like, Ryan's making 50, like 55,000. No, he not. And I was like, that, <laughs> that's, your, that's your enticement there? Is 55K? Like, oh, Lord, Lord. Like, yeah, like what you want me to yeah. But I mean, I think you made a point because especially yeah. when, I was, when I was serving, it was almost as if the managers were doing you a favor by giving you a job. Like, how dare you call out when I gave you a job? And I think that with, with Black people, it's different from white people at work. White people come to work to work. White pe- Black people come to work. We have to also be responsible. Yeah. And what it is, is we have to watch how we talk. Watch what we say. Watch how we dress. Watch how we walk. Watch how, watch how we come across. And people don't understand that. And, I, and, and when I got into corporate America, I had to sit to myself and like, have these white people ever been around black people before? Because an example like your story was this girl comes up to me and this other black girl that, that was working there and she starts singing Kanye West, right? And and she says it loud and then she looks to us as to like join in on her saying Kanye West lyrics. And we just looked at her and she was like, y'all don't know what this is? Y'all should know this is Kanye West. And we're sitting here like, Bitch, we don't sit here and like have meetings to <laughs> discuss Kanye West lyrics. Like, it's almost like they don't like they always trying to figure out what black folks are secretly doing when no one else is around. And though <laughs> right. we're not singing lyrics and like dancing and doing in break band circles, uh, like this is not what's going on in our households. Like, I think it is having conversations, you know what I'm saying, and talking and laughing like everybody else. Do. <laughs> so so I had a very similar story to you, Daryl, where and this is actually one of these nonprofits I work for. Um, but it was my first day in the field and my manager was a white. She was just some literally like a 24 year old white chick. And we was sitting. It was cold. So we were sitting in the car waiting for shift to start. And she goes, yo, I like hip hop. Like just like starting conversation <laughs> talking about like she likes hip hop. And I was like, OK, cool. And she's like, I have a freestyle. You want to hear it? 
No, she didn't. Bro, when I tell you, like, <laughs> right here in the guy, my dude, I'm sitting in this car, and this girl puts on some random-ass instrumental off YouTube, and she has written down, like... <laughs> A hard 16 bars, bro. It's like, was it good? I'm just curious. No, like... this is garbage. It was hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. But why did she think that was okay? Because even when I was like, yeah. we had a lunch and all of us went to lunch and we all ride together and lunch. And they turned to me, it's the only black person in the car, Jerry, you want to play your music? And I'm like, no. No, I don't. No, like, they was like, no, it's okay. Taylor Swift, leave us alone. Yeah, they was like, yeah, it's okay. You can play your music. I'm like, no, no, I won't. And then one of you came to me. He was like, I know uh, black people feel like they have to code switch at work, but I want you to know that you don't have to code switch around me. And I said, all due respect. Yes, I do. <laughs> like <laughs> like but, the fact you just said that. Proves. Yeah, <laughs> very much. So my next topic. Said that. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was like, my next question for you guys is, Shar, you brought it up. So my level of my experiences of, of moving up in corporate America haven't been great. So just like Brian Flores was told he was hard to work with. And the reason they say he, he says he was told he was hard to work with is because the, the owner wanted them, him to lose games and he didn't want to lose it. So because he said that would hurt the integrity of the game, now it comes out that he's hard to work with. So the same thing kind of happened to me in a sense where uh, the director role got brought up. I didn't even get asked to interview, but all my metrics, I was the best one on the team. I also been there the longest. The last director I had did two years of community college and was younger than me. I have a master's degree. So when I asked and I and, and when they introduced the new director, they came to me. And first of all, I was the last one they came to. They came to everybody individually in the team to introduce. I was the last one after everybody got introduced. I was the end of the week. Like everybody got talked to on Monday. I didn't get my one-on-one till Friday. So I just said, I'm frustrated and I just want to understand why wasn't I even considered when my metrics was better. Nobody has anybody who I've worked with has nothing but great things to say about me. Why wasn't I even considered? And I was basically told that I don't have the personality to fit this role. Mm. That was it. That was all I was told. For me, that was a dog whistle. Yeah. So I wanted to hear you guys' experiences. Did you guys have trouble like me actually moving up in y'all in corporate America? Um, and this this is where I'm at because at this point my next move is like in terms of progression as director. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at. But to get to the point where I am now, every opportunity that I've gotten has come from the hands of a minority. Mm-hmm. In terms of being able to get to the point where I am now, where they saw something in me that somehow they're white kind of opportunity. Um, it has been rough. It has been frustrating seeing others move into positions with less experience, but because they may know someone, because they're cool with someone, because I don't speak their language, I'm not a good old boy, and always being in a position where they you know you're they know you're a great worker and, and it's almost like a catch 22 because they know you're a great worker, they want to keep you in that place because they know you're good at what you do. Mm-hmm. They can't even see you in anything beyond that because it becomes more of an asset to them for you to stay there than for, for them to try to allow you to progress. And get um, upset if you want to progress. Get, 
and get upset that you want to progress. Um, my my friends joke with me because they say I'm the type of person where if I feel like I'm not being treated correctly, I'm quick to leave. <laughs> so like I'm not I don't have no problem like going from job to job, but going from job to job has given me the opportunity to be able to progress more only because I felt like if I stayed where I was, I would not be given the opportunity had I go out and search for those opportunities myself elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I mean it's frustrating. Um it's 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 just sad, you know what I'm saying? That it's hard and it's frustrating because you know you're good at you know you're good at what you do, but people, the people in power just do not see it. And, and what do you so what do you do? Because I'm with you, it's frustrating how I'm gonna get to you. Because my thing is when it comes to the black person's plight, this is for white people, this is for right wing people, this is for black people who think right wing. The answer is always simplistic. It's always mm-hmm. a simplistic. Like we understand, like we could say, um, black people don't like the cops. Okay, why? It's not because black people are criminals and they just need to obey the law. No, it's a historical context of why black people black people uh, vote Democrat. No, it's, it's not because we like the color blue. It's because of historical context of things happening. But when it comes to something like this, when we're talking about jobs, when we're talking about, because when they say Brian Flores, they're always going to say, well, you just want 100% of the coaches to be black yeah well it was my choice yeah i would but no we always want we want the best person and you can't tell where 70 percent of the league is black that only one coach gets in so it's almost like workhorses it's like so you're, you're gonna have to be a workhorse and learn a game right. but of that 70 percent, you can't find coaches coaches to coach the team it's like yeah but also yeah. yeah but it's like the simplistic answer is do work harder Mm-hmm. That's always the simplistic answer to it. Yeah. And and we and you just said with your resume, with me, with my metrics, we're still losing out on people. Again, I have a master's degree and my director coming in had two years of community college and laughed about it all the time. I just have two years of community college and you know what I'm saying? And I answered to him. So what what about you, Hob? Uh, well, like I said, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like not like no, y'all. Yeah, nah, I mean, sorry, I'm not. My not bad. To, nah, but um, I mean, I've been having like a little steady progression, you know. Like I, but but I'm very after the law firm job. Um, well, I guess I'll just tell you, I'm a whole progression. I worked for the Abrams campaign, um, and it was like a little contracted position, um, and. I got told I was difficult there, but that was because they was doing some bullshit and I called them out on it, um, which I don't apologize for. I don't really care too much about that. That's OK. Um, then I got to the law firm um, after the law firm job. I decided I was going to be very intentional. I'm not going to work at no places where um, I have to deal with like overt microaggressions like that. Like I didn't like mm-hmm. the knowledge that at least two of my attorney bosses um, were diehard Trump supporters. One of them was maybe and then another one was a problematic liberal you know like one of the white people the the cultural vultures i guess i don't know but anyway um so i made a conscious decision that i'm gonna work in spaces where um you know black people are accepted for being black people and all that um and so since then i worked at um a canvassing corporation um who definitely BS me. They tried to have me work, like climb my way up the ladder. 
um, and start from this canvasser position, making $15 an hour um, when I was salaried at my other position. Um, and essentially they wanted me to climb my way up to a director position where I would be making like 60, but then I'd be working like 180 hours, you know, like just ridiculous yeah. hours. Um, that's how it is in nonprofits. If you're making a lot of money, you working a lot of hours. Um, and so, you know, I quit and I started applying to other jobs. Um, I applied to other law firm jobs, but I got those same vibes from every law firm that I went to. I actually got offered a position at a technology firm who like they ship, um, I don't know, different like medical technology around and like handle the contracts for that kind of stuff. Um, and the guy in the interview, um, he asked me some question like, um, are you one, are you one of those people that's going to cause a problem every time somebody, uh, like choose you out or something like that? And I was just like, and, and the, the other guy in the, the other paralegal who was in the interview with me, I could tell that he was a very timid, like, uh, soft, uh, rolloverable person. Um, and so I could tell what kind of boss that guy was going to be. And I was like, I'm not trying to be in that environment. So I took this job and this job has been great. Um, and so I, I don't know, I don't, I don't have like complaints. I think, I think all of my, I don't know. I think I've been a lot more intentional about like not putting myself in that position. Once I experienced it once, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And I'm trying, you know, I'm not trying to climb in that space. Well, one thing I said with the generation is that, and I was a little bit like that, but not fully like, like that, where you're, you're very, like you said the word intentional. You're very intentional about putting yourself in an environment where you feel like you're going to be respected. And a lot of the other generations are not like that. We're like, we gonna fight. Out, we, we gonna fight through the microaggressions, which I don't, which is probably unhealthy. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, and I was talking. I applaud, I, I applaud you for that. Yeah. So yeah, I was talking to one of my friends about it, and yeah, I, I, there, there's just a lot of there's so much money in the world that I feel like there's enough like spaces that are decent or spaces that black people can create avenues that black people can create and, and take some of those streams of income. Um, you know, there's just too much money in the world to where I feel like we have to be miserable in order to make money. I just don't, I, I, I don't believe that. Yeah. And I think the difference, I guess for me is that I'm in a position now with my company that I kind of work alone. So yeah. what I did is, so I don't deal with other people's like, cause I don't deal with people like that. Like I, I, my coworkers, I kind of deal with them if I want to, in a sense, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So I like where I'm at and, and I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but I like where I'm at because I have the option to just be by myself. And I think for me, that bodes me well, but I do have aspirations just like you, Shar said, my next step is being the director hmm. and I'm gonna let this year go by and and but every step I'm doing this year is to move towards the director. Now, if I don't, if I'm not seriously even considered next year, we'll we'll figure it out when that happens. But you know what I'm saying? I think for right now, I'm just not a team player, man. <laughs> and I think that's just kind of who I am, man. And, and, I, okay. and I and I think that is hurts us in a sense because just I don't think people really understand black culture, right? Like if we don't trust people we don't kind of fake it like we, we're we not around you and i think sometimes white people want you to be this bubbling personality and be for this and the team and that's just not who we are and because you don't understand our culture you kind of think of us as a certain way 
Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It's funny because in um, especially in the campaigning space, they they definitely want that like bubbly, over energetic, uh, like over hyped person to like you know they want like we're trying to get canvassers to go up to people's door and inspire them to give you money right. for something they've never heard of you know so you need somebody who's just kind of like nutso in terms of that ener- energy but i've run canvassing office and i'm not that person you know like i and i don't tell my canvassers to be that person you know i'm very i'm upfront with them i'm very like strategic about this shit i'm like yo realistically five to ten percent of people are going to give you money so if you don't yeah. think this person's going to give you money then, yeah, you can you can spend 15 minutes at this door running this pitch by, you know, into their head until they hate you or, you know, run you out the property with a gun or you can, you know, go to it. And that's happened before. So don't, you, you don't gotta, have a, you gotta just live by that. Like, okay, that, okay. that has happened before. I've had a gun pulled on me canvassing and in black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods got the police called. All that happens. Um, and so, you know, it's like, bro, I'm not trying to spend too much time on anybody's property unless I know for a fact they're cool with it. So, um, but you know, that, that's just to say. So, so what is the next step for us? Cause I always want to try to be solution oriented. What is the next step? Cause I literally don't know. And, and I say this, I'm not trying to make a joke. I literally don't know what the next step is because I tried everything. I've tried to be more talkative and more personable, or I tried to work hard, quote unquote. Um, and none of it worked. So I'm just well, like, well, so, I would give this. I would say this. So when I hear comments like, like, so I was at work and I was talking to one of the operators who, who was a black lady on the floor. And she said, man, we've never seen black managers around here before. She said, and I was like, oh, okay. She said, no, it's typically been white managers. But yeah, y'all kind of like, we see some black managers around here. This is kind of new for us. And when I hear that, that is a sign of progress. You know what I'm saying? In terms of as sad as it may be, the fact of the matter is, is that a black manager is now in this position when there wasn't one there before. So I just think, in that sense, you just got to keep progressing and keep pushing to try to occupy spaces that we we have not occupied and hope that there's an ally there that's willing to pull us up to try to get us to that next phase. And then when we get there, because this is where some black folks fall short, we also pull out each other up with us. Because some of us that get in those positions and kind of forget and get high and mighty and be like, okay, well, I got here by myself, so maybe you can get me, so you should be able to get here by yourself. No, you try to pull when you can pull. Like, my last my last manager was intentional in making sure that he got Black faces in positions where they were not before. And he was conscious about that. And, that's, and when we get in those positions, we got to think the same way. Yeah, and it's not. It is not trying to find. You still want to find somebody qualified, but the thing about it is, you don't want to get to the point where. And this is what white people do sometimes. White managers, when you have a black, when you have a black candidate that's qualified, and you have a white candidate that's qualified, and your company is about diversity, choose that black candidate. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it's just because you need that type of vision, that type of um culture in your in your company, and that's how people got to start thinking going to get into those positions of hiring so i 100% agree um and i think there's two ways you can uh, approach it well i mean maybe more um but the two ways that i see um and one is the battling upstream battle of like ingratiating yourself into corporate america and like slowly diluting the water until 
um, you know, enough black people are there to where there's a black culture in corporate America. And then, you know, until there's a, you know, black, uh, you know, black people have a, you know, half of, I don't know, until we climb to where we're equal to white people right. in terms of wealth and stuff like that. Um, that That's one way. And then there's um, the go into spaces that embrace you and make them bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, that's the way I've, I've kind of chosen at this point, just because, you know, I'm, I'm still at my kind of launch trajectory in life. You know, I'm still trying to make sure I take off at a good angle um, to get to where I want to be. Um, and, and therefore, I don't, you know, I don't want to face unnecessary hurdles if I don't need them right now. Um, but I do think that both of the, regardless of which trajectory you take, I think you have a responsibility if you take the upstream trajectory, you have a responsibility to if you're one of those first few people who are diluting the water, like, you you have a responsibility to be black, like, don't, don't go into those spaces and like, you know, pitter patter and like, Hey Bob, how was uh, golf last? And also week? make them pronounce your name correctly. Yeah, make them pronounce your name correctly. Make them, you know, uh, when when they do Wakanda Forever, I should have been like, hey, I don't even fuck with Black Panther like that. I like fucking <laughs> Thor, bitch. <laughs> you know, like I should have said something like that. <laughs> I did. Uh, I'm, I'm a Captain wrong. America fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I Captain. America. <laughs> I hate you, Hobson. Like, that is hilarious. Like. <laughs> And I'm Team Thor, man. Why are you up yeah. like? Right, what are you talking about? Like, like, I'm like, what kind of <laughs> But you know, you like you have you have that responsibility to like you know stand ten toes down. And then for folks who are making the spaces bigger, um, you have a responsibility to when you get big and have that influence to change the systems in white spaces. You know, like because a lot of these nonprofits and black nonprofits um like the NAACP and ACLU and all this stuff like they have the power to influence legislation and policy on a large scale um and teach other people how to do it too so I think you have the responsibility to do that as well once you get there so um it's gonna take also I also and I agree with you to take time I think one of the biggest things we also need to and this is definitely in for black people when I say this it's for white people too but I really want to talk to black people when I say this to stop thinking that affirmative action is unqualified because they think like, oh, because it's affirmative action, we lowered the bar so you could come through. And to stop thinking that because affirmative action or we might have got into schools or stuff because of that, that we're lesser than because of that. We're just as qualified if anybody, any of your white counterparts that are there. I think taking pride on we should we deserve to be here we should be here we're qual- we're qualified and we're just as valued as anybody else here and once we get into opportunities of hiring i'm not saying hire all black people because that's what i would do but but you're moving towards like getting them kind of a leg up like even if a black person came in had a terrible interview instead of just like going home and telling my wife man that came in to terrible like talking to him Talk to yeah. him and understand what he could have did better. So we we have to be intentional with looking out kind of for each other in this sense. But then, Go ahead, it's talk. not even just that. It's like corporate America is very white. It's like it's, it's like, really white. Oh, so, and you know, hold on, before you say that, the problem also what I wanted to say, because it's going in what you're saying, I'm gonna let you talk after that, is the 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 what makes it worse is people like Mike Tomlin. And I'm going to tell you why. 
because people can always use him as an example. Yeah. So they'll be like, whoa, Brian Flores, he didn't get an interview, but look at Mike Tomlin. He yeah. just came in. They interviewed him. He wowed their socks off. Why don't Brian Flores do that? Not yeah. knowing that it was just one Mike Tomlinson of these thousands of people who got interviewed. And that's yeah. what goes in what you're saying is really why. Yeah, Go ahead. it's like, so we got to pull, we got to give a color into this um, area. It's like, and, and unfortunately, not, I don't even want to say unfortunately, that means that you got to have an influx of just black folks coming into the building. Like when I went to Mercer, the year I went to Mercer, it was the blackest, it was the most blackest year I went to Mercer because they had a flood of black kids in there because they just could not get minorities in the building. So that was intentional, you know what I'm saying? And then and, and, and they needed to do that because they just did not have any diversity in the building. So sometimes right. you just need to flood the system a little bit just to kind of make it even. Not even to even make it greater, just to make it somewhat fair. But you know, I also think it's important. I also think it's important to recognize that a lot of these, you know, these universities and these corporate spaces weren't recognizing diversity as a priority until, um, you know, black people started making them. So you yeah, know, that, that's, George Floyd. That's little, it was until George Floyd happened, and yeah, then I mean, people started. Even, even before that, though. Even before that, it, I mean, mm -hmm. I think it was um, like they started considering it maybe in like the early 2000s and you know like late 90s and stuff like that but um i'm just saying that that that, that goes back to people who are creating spaces like like in the 80s and 90s when black people were making those economic gains and stuff like that like those people who were that token black person at that company they did enough to create uh they they made enough noise to make diversity a, a priority in the next 20 to 40 years. So now it's our job to make, uh, to, to show people what diversity actually means and show people that diversity is not one token black person. And it's not, you know, kneeling on the first day of black history month with Kente cloth. You know, it's not, it's right. not even, we don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we really like, and not like if there are any white people that listen to this, that's one thing you got to understand. Black people really do not give, Anything. We didn't ask for that. No, any of that shit. It does not matter. That we don't we don't care about it. Right. <laughs> and realistically, bro, we don't even care if y'all like NASCAR, yada, yada, yada. We don't care if y'all think black people or whatever, as long as it don't inhibit our growth and our and our yeah. progress. And our, stay like, out of our way. Yeah. Out of our way. You can say what you want while watching this climb, but yeah. just don't don't throw no rocks at us. <laughs> like that's yeah. all we <laughs> And I want to end this. I want to circle back to, to sports. Um, just think about because sometimes, you know, white people use the argument, well, you guys just want it all black. Just think about if the NHL, 50 percent of the coaches were black in the NHL. You would probably think like, whoa, whoa, what? Something intentional is probably going on here when one or two percent of the league <laughs> is black. Right. Mm -hmm. And also. When Brian, Brian Flores came out with his statement, the lawsuit, the NFL and Roger Cordell said he has no merit. But then a day ago, then says we did an internal investigation and our, and our hiring practices of diversity is unacceptable. That should tell you whatever. So if NFL can admit that their hiring practices is unacceptable, I think a lot of corporations need to look at themselves as well. I will say, um, and I hope this doesn't start us down a rabbit hole, 
But this nigga Jay Z was supposed to partner with the NFL, so shit like this didn't happen. He was. And that nigga making a bank off the NFL right now, and this shit's still happening. So I don't uh, know. Uh, Come on. Soon as this went down, I said somebody get Jay Z on the phone. I want to hear what he has uh, to say about this. We gotta say, get Jay Z on the phone. We were all in our rule with 911. Where is he at with this? We're like Jay Z. <laughs> niggas ain't been on Jay Z, and Jay, we act like Jay Z literally partnered with them for this reason. You've been quiet, though. We, been we, had, quiet. We, had, we had like three commercials and a fucking Colin Kaepernick documentary, and that's it. And, oh, we got phrases on the jerseys, the helmets. At that's the, what I'm the saying. They put stop racism on the, on the fucking back of Tom Brady's helmet. <laughs> and now we supposed to be happy. I mean, but has, has Jay-Z said about this? I haven't heard. No, no Jay-Z no, ain't said about it. it. That's what I'm saying. That, that's, I really just thought about that shit just now. Like, Jay-Z supposed to be on this. Hold on, I'm just looking up Jay Z. I haven't come on the show, Jay Z. We want to hear what you guys are saying. Unless the man want the first exclusive with you, Jay Z, we want to know what's going on in the NFL. Right. So, Hob, uh, sign us out. Yo, if you enjoyed today's episode, just uh, make sure first and foremost that you like it, you share it with a friend. Um, you rate it five stars. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can really find a podcast. That's where you can find Less of a Man. Um, you know, let us know what you thought. You know, we really do enjoy y'all's feedback. Um, we take it into consideration when planning these episodes. Not really, but um, <laughs> nah, we, don't. we don't care. Yeah, we do nah, care. Nah. But, but we do care about the stars, though. So definitely hit them five stars and you know, let us know. Let us know. Uh, well, Hell, oh, and as we sign out, I'm looking at an article. Brian Flores is the new face of racism in the NFL. Where's Jay Z? <laughs> where's Jay Z? <laughs> That's the title of this episode. Where's Jay Z? And then it says another article. Hey Jay Z, are we still past kneeling? So <laughs> somebody got some answering to do. Yeah. <laughs> man, they coming for you, man. You can call Dizzy out. It's hard. Hey, I hope the Illuminati folks aren't right because I, I could yeah. put myself in a world of trouble. Yeah, oh, Illuminati coming after me. Jay Z's still the best hip hop artist of all time. But, um, <laughs> till next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.